We're taking a little break from our sermon series today, and I am going to be preaching um, a sermon that I preached at St. Michael's Conference this week to around 55 young folks. And as we do every three years, we were focusing on the Apostles' Creed, and I was assigned the line, I believe in the life everlasting. I believe in the life everlasting. But do I trust in it more than this life? That's a hard question, and it's one that I ask myself throughout the day, if I'm honest. Do I believe in the life everlasting more than this life? And so I put that question to you as well. I was reading this week and came across the story of a man on the Titanic, that famous ocean liner that went down in the mid-Atlantic in 1912. For those that don't know, it was one of the worst disasters in maritime history. Of the 2,224 passengers and crew on board, more than 1,500 died. Times of trial test and bring out heroes. And so I want to tell you about one of them. His name was Mr. John Harper. You've probably never heard of him. He was 39 years old when he died. He was a minister in England, and he had lost his wife to death prior to boarding the Titanic. In April 1912, he was traveling from London to Chicago with his six-year-old daughter and niece on board the Titanic. In the middle of that black night, partway across the Atlantic Ocean, ridden with icebergs, the Titanic was traveling at full speed and struck an iceberg tearing open the side of the ship. It became clear that she was going to sink and the captain ordered that famous women and children first because there were not enough lifeboats for everybody on the Titanic. Mr. Harper put his daughter and niece on a lifeboat and said goodbye. The ship was sinking fast. But there was two hours left yet before it sunk beneath, beneath the waves. Can you imagine how that two hours must have seemed an eternity as they awaited the certainty of what was coming? Mr. Harper knew that he was going to, what he was going to do, rather, with his time. He wouldn't panic in these precious two hours, but rather he'd go along doing what he'd been doing since he'd become a Christian and point people to Jesus' love and salvation and the life everlasting. Rushing from person to person on the deck, he offered what the prayer book calls that blessed hope of everlasting life to those left seemingly without hope in such dire straits. Several survivors from the ship remember him proclaiming Romans 16.31 as he prayed with people. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In those short hours, in a place where all hope seemed lost and the life of this world was quickly coming to a close, John Harper had a blessed hope and certainty in the resurrection. In a time with turmoil, where things were in chaos around him, this man had peace 
certainty, and good news to share. Many people think of faith or religion as just something people think about once in a while. Maybe they go to church, maybe they don't. Maybe they go to church occasionally. Some Christians treat Christianity as an add-on to their life. They live life how they want, and then maybe repent once in a while. But as we have been hearing this week, as they have been hearing this week at the conference, true faith and belief is so much more than that add-on. Because it's not something you can just add on to the rest of your life. It's a choice that informs your whole life, your whole existence, and shapes even your view of death. The Bible and the creeds witness to us is that as Christians, we have a faith that makes all the difference. And we need not fear death. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 11, we read, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me say that again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This faith is not a vague, mushy faith. It's not some impersonal faith in some force out there or some fate, but it's rather a faith in the very person of Jesus Christ. It's a faith in a person who, as we heard just a few minutes ago as Austin read, a person who wept at the death of his friend Lazarus, but then commanded Lazarus to come forth from the dead. And he did in John 11. This faith in Jesus is in a man who rose again himself after being crucified and buried. A stronger, a man who was stronger than death. A man whose word can undo death. A man who lives and sits at the right hand of the Father even now. That is the person to put your faith into and in. But something, but sometimes rather, it is hard to have faith, isn't it? The challenges of our world are ever-present. The things seen, the things visible, as we say in the creeds, sometimes seem to outweigh the things invisible. Suffering and adversity can make us wonder if it's all true. But more often than that, I think, the noise of the world actually just distracts us from the things invisible. For example, in our goals in life, we think to ourselves, will I do well on this test or get into this school? Or perhaps in your context, will I get the next job promotion? Have I checked off the boxes on my evaluation? Do I have enough money to go on that trip? or to buy that car, or have that house, or live in that neighborhood. It crowds out our faith in relationships, too. What will I do if this person thinks ill of me? Do I have the right friends? Will people think that I'm weird if, I, if I'm seen as a Christian? And of course, that perennial challenge our significance in this world. 
when we ask ourselves, have I made an impact on this world? Does what I do have any meaning from day to day? And what about when I fail so miserably, as I, of course, do? I bet you've had some of those thoughts, and as I told the students at the conference, those things aren't unique to high schoolers and college students, right? These insecurities remain with us, probably till our last day. They shift around a little bit, but the noise continues. And friends, God will help you through them, and he often uses such challenges to show himself through you to others. As St. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. But the very next verse is equally important. Knowing that the Lord, that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Do you see the first verse is attached to the second? That this life now is for the sake of the life eternal, the life everlasting, the life yet unseen, or perhaps just seen a little bit. What we do now, in obedience to Jesus, shapes us, shapes our hearts. And it's important because it shapes our hearts, but it's also important because it preaches Christ to our neighbors. Or it doesn't, depending on how obedient we're being. C.S. Lewis famously writes in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to mere mortals. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. Think about that for a moment. These things that seem and loom so large in our world are fleeting. Countries, empires, cultures, art, all that's going to go away. But the individual person that you interact with is eternal. And in one way or another, will be eternal, as we read in Daniel. Either to be eternally commended, or not. C.S. Lewis continues, It is with immortals that we joke, work, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the onset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. Friends, we are privileged to partake in an eternal story from our birth through our death. For some reason, God would have you and I play a part in the life everlasting. Again, as we heard this morning in Daniel 12, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they 
that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Friends, when you obey Jesus, when you love Him, when that shines through you, what Daniel is saying is that you shine like a star, like a star in the midst of a black sky. Only the Christian has the promise of everlasting life. Only the Christian has the promise of awaking in everlasting life as opposed to everlasting contempt. Two things should drive us because of that, I believe. Number one, we need to live every day knowing that the life we see and experience right now is short and just the beginning of our walk with Jesus. Number two, we play a part in turning others to righteousness, as Daniel tells us. Put another way, we show people Jesus by inviting them with us to salvation, by boldly proclaiming, by showing them what a different life looks like, a life with hope in a place of darkness. We've talked about that first section, what it means to live life knowing that it's a preparation for the eternal life. But what about the second? Well, to turn others to righteousness is harder, seemingly. But remember, you're not responsible solely for it. Living the Christian life will draw others to you if it's done well. Because we see, because others rather, see something different in us, something of contrast, something like a star in the midst of a dark sky. They should ask themselves, and will, I believe, why is that person so much more peaceful about this? Or why are they less stressed in this terrible situation? Or when they look at you, they might scratch their heads and say, how come she can be so confident and who she is? Or, why is he less concerned about what his friends and co-workers say on this controversial subject? Or, what makes her so bold in the direction she's headed in life? They might not ask you outright, what is your secret? But people won't ignore you either. And eventually, you might be able to give an answer. And you might say, because I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and continue in the creed, giving the basics of our faith. Do you want to know more about my faith, you might add? Do you want to follow Jesus too? Because you can have hope, purpose, certainty, and peace right now and forever. You don't have to have all the answers. And you don't have to have the exact right evangelism sermon either. Just talk about what your life is like in Jesus. Just talk about how your prayer life is or how you've seen him work in the past. Share those stories. I want to tell you the reason that things like St. Michael's Conference and the church body are so important 
is because they're supposed to be a foretaste of the life everlasting. Oh yes, we're not perfect. We're still imperfect human beings, and we live in a fallen world. But at its best, your church home is supposed to be that place of faith and hope where you come for sustenance, where you experience friendship with others who believe as you do. A place where, in C.S. Lewis's words, true merriment can be found because we take one another without flippancy or pretension. Getting back to Mr. Harper. As the Titanic sunk, he put on a life jacket and jumped off. He was last seen by a man on a piece of floating debris, only big enough for that man to float on. Mr. Harper swam up to the man and told him about Jesus and salvation and the life everlasting. The man told him he was an atheist. On hearing this, Mr. Harper took off his life jacket, handed it to the man, and said, Well then, sir, you need this more than I do, and swam away to his death. But to certainty in the life everlasting and the resurrection of the dead. The atheist man survived and became a Christian because of Mr. Harper's witness. If a man could have hope, if a man could have certainty of life so much to take off his life jacket for somebody else, to lay down his life for his friend, there must be something to that faith, reasoned the former atheist. In a way, we're all on board the Titanic, aren't we? We don't know the day or the hour when this life will end and the everlasting life will begin. But we do know with certainty that it will happen. No one gets out of this world alive. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your proverbial two hours? Ask yourself, do I trust in the life everlasting more than this life do I believe in the things unseen more than the things seen? Would I take off that life jacket for a stranger? I'm willing to be, am I willing to be ridiculed for my faith or have difficult conversations so that people might see Jesus and might have a chance at that everlasting life? Again, we don't do it alone, and yet we're called to be a faithful witness. Friends, may God give you and me that grace, not only to trust in Jesus in the good times, but also in the challenging times. And may he also give us the grace to turn many to righteousness, so that together we might enjoy that everlasting life with God and bring as many others along with us into that existence as possible. For Jesus loves them as he loves you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.